Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of The New Standard. And as always, the show is coming to you post-game after a fantastic victory by the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Baltimore Ravens. And joining me, as always, to my left, my partner in crime, Neil Kulong. What's up, Big Neil? Plenty, Lance. Plenty. It's been uh, one of the most active days for us probably this season overall. And officially, I am changing my last name to Neil John McGlue, just so you know. John Luglu, sorry, I butchered that. Yeah. I'm sitting on yeah. that joke for an hour, and that, that's what I came up with. You know, that's that's funny that you, you know, when you were texting me during the game and you typed Luglu, I thought you were bullshit. I was like, <laughs> I was like, nah, that's not the guy's name. Luglu? Hell I'm not even no. Sure what I would? I, I don't. I'm not even sure what I have to be under the influence of to come up with the name Leglue. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like, fantastic. L- it sounds like a cartoon. Like the glue. <laughs> but, you know like, what that the kid, hell? That kid balled out today. He did a damn good job in the fourth quarter in particular. They were calling his number. They were going his way. It was great. This was a very interesting game. And uh, we're going to talk to uh, Mark Tobin's comment uh, because I think Tony Dungy, I caught a little bit of the Sunday night uh, NBC highlights, and Tony Dungy gave a little bit of clarification on uh, Mark Tobin's point, Harbaugh's arrogance got the best of him and why Harbaugh did the two-point conversion. But before we yeah. jump into that, uh, I want to give a shout-out to show sponsor, Mem Seed Company. Uh, big up to Mem Seed Company. Make sure you go and do a search online for Mem Seed Company, selling some awesome uh, some awesome tutorial packages and mentoring packages uh, for this Christmas season. Also, if you want to subscribe to the show, make sure you do a search for The New Standard and uh, Lance Williams and or Neil Kulong. You can find us on YouTube. Give us a like and a subscribe. And also, the show is available on all podcast platforms, Google, Spotify, Apple Pod, any podcast feeder. If you do a, show, uh, excuse me, a search for The New Standard and Steelers, you will find the program. Let's jump into that right off the top of this program before we get into this. And Mark Tobin said, Harbaugh's arrogance got the best of him. And my brother asked the question as well about Harbaugh's call to go for it for two. Now, I'm going to give you my answer about it before I heard the reason why from Tony Dungy on the Sunday night broadcast. Now, when I thought of the call, you know, as I've matured in terms of in my perspective, in terms of how I started looking at football, I don't necessarily judge decisions by results anymore. I thought that they had a great play call. In fact, on that particular play, I thought the Steelers did not execute well. He was wide open. I thought the quick pressure from TJ Watt uh interfered with the throw, but the throw was still good enough for Mark Andrews to catch, although it would have been a very tough catch. I still think Mark Andrews makes that catch eight out of ten times. So Mm. overall, let's say seven out of ten times. That's a tough play. You know, it's a tough play. But but overall, the play call for what the Steelers were going to do defensively was right. Whatever the coaches did over that course of week – Uh, They knew the exact play call and exactly what the Steelers were going to do in that situation. In that moment, in that play, the Steelers were actually outcoached and out sort of executed. It just didn't work. And and, and that's what it is with the National Football League. You you have to just be comfortable with your decisions. You know, it's an execution game. It, It didn't work, but everything about the call was right. The call was right. 
I think you could argue whether they should have done it or not, but the call was right. They just did not execute it. And I didn't really have a problem with it. And that's not to say because I'm a Steeler fan, I didn't have a problem with it because it didn't work. But I, I didn't I didn't find myself really being opposed to it. My brother kind of took the opposite kick it, you go to overtime, you play, you know, you do it that way, you be conservative, you go to overtime, so on and so forth. You see what happens in the overtime. I just think I didn't have a problem with what Harbaugh did. I think it speaks to Harbaugh's personality. But I want to get your answer to my thoughts or or to the play call. Should he have gone for it? And then I'll give you the reason why it was explained why he did go for it. Okay, that's good. I, I didn't hear it. And, you know, whatever Tony Dungy says is, is fine. But to me, uh, one, I want to acknowledge the point that Super Steelers made. Uh, I can understand why Harbaugh went for it with his corners being injured. I think that's something that didn't really come that, through that, in the broadcast. That was the reason. Okay, sorry. Then I, I apologize. But it, it's <laughs> super Steelers. It, it's, on you. One, that's an excellent reason. I can totally understand why you would want to do that. But at the same time, the decision was made because Lamar Jackson's on the field. I've said this for years. You get a guy like that in your offense, you have the ability to convert at an abnormally high rate in short yardage situations because he is a weapon on the edge. I tweeted right before the play, they're going to want to get Lamar outside or some type of quick flare pass because he's dangerous and you have to cover him in all gaps. That loosens things up, especially in short areas. He has to make a a short throw. It's not about, um, I, I want to describe the throw. I've been hearing this from too many people. The throw in that situation has to be flat. It has to be on a line. You can't get that up in the air or that's six the other way. You have great athletes who are very close to the ball. If it's short, you're, you're still uh, able to utilize the, the element of surprise, which is what you're, what that play really is doing, and you're getting it to a big guy who can quickly turn his shoulders and have to basically dive forward two yards at any point along 13 yards of space. If Andrews catches that ball and squares, a, a semi-truck isn't going to stop him from getting into the end zone. That's what the play was designed for. Everything worked except the throw. Lamar could not lob that over the six foot five jumping, highly athletic TJ Watt. He didn't have time to do his little sidearm thing that everybody gushes over all the time. He had to throw that as flat as he could, as close to Watt's arm as possible to be able to, to deliver it at the space that Andrew needs to catch the ball. He lofts that Edmonds or not Edmonds, whoever was on the outside, Edmonds was underneath. Whoever's on the outside can make a pick at that at, at the pylon. If he's throwing it flat and short where he's supposed to, it's all about accuracy. Watt screwed that up. Yes, Watt absolutely. did just enough to alter the throw. It, Frankly, Lamar Jackson has made that throw in NFL games probably 100 times in his career, probably 10 million times in his life. He can make that throw very often. That's why you go for it. In my opinion, it, it was the smart move. And to exactly to your point, what you let off with, this is what I would have started with as well. Results-based thinking is stupid in the NFL. Well, this this obviously this didn't work because it didn't work out right. It's a bad, it's the wrong play call. No, it was the right play call. I guarantee you, even Lamar Jackson, who enjoys blaming other people for things, would have told you he needs to make that throw. The throw was there, the opportunity was there, he could have done it. It didn't happen for him this time. That's really all it came down to. Um, I, I don't think he played all that great of a game. I wouldn't put everything on him for that, but they went for it because he's a hell of a player and he can make that throw in his sleep. The irony. Um, to, to what you're saying is I, I bet dollars to a donut that the defensive staff on the Steelers side of the ball is upset 
about that particular play and that the execution and where they should have been wasn't up to snuff. They'll such probably a hard play to defend. Yeah, and so it's such a and it's that. such a hard play to defend. But they'll probably grade each guy. You know, each guy will get their particular grade and they'll break that down. That's a tough play to defend. And to your point, just to make just to even bolster your point, you want to get it on Andrews as quick as possible to yep. give an athlete exactly. enough exactly. space to make a decision. You don't want him to be running too long without the ball. You want to get the ball in his hands. So if he has to make a cut, a move, mm-hmm. drop his shoulder, whatever, he has all that space to the pylon or to the boundary to be able to make that play in space. I mean, if anything, if he catches, he's trucking a secondary guy. Right. He's he's but he's going to drop his shoulder on a guy. Here's the thing. If, if that's true, yes. But for Andrews to get in a position where he can physically just beat up Terrell Edmonds, he has to have the ball with his shoulder square to the line. Yes. If he's still in running in the pattern, that ball isn't delivered yet. Edmonds has the advantage. Edmonds is a better yep. athlete. He's faster. He's more mobile. He's more angular. He can get around the, the play easier. That window is very narrow. It, it's even if the, the element of surprise catches him off guard, if they wait a second longer, he's not open anymore. He had to get the ball on him right away. He threw it when he was supposed to. He just didn't get it exactly where it needed to go. And people are saying that, well, Andrews might be able to make this play. That's yeah, Put it this way. If if Zach Gentry was the intended target on that play, it would have looked a lot worse than it did. Okay, Andrews, Andrews is a phenomenal <laughs> football player. You don't like football if you don't like watching Mark Andrews play. That kid is a beast. Absolutely yeah, load. He had a huge game again. He's been carrying their offense. Their offense has been junk the last couple of games. Andrews is playing at an all-pro level, in my opinion. Um that's that's extremely difficult to ask him to make that catch. Even if he does, he's off balance at that point. They're going to catch him. He's not in a good spot. He's not going to get his shoulders square. I don't know if he gets in because of where the angle was. Because he's Andrews, he probably does. But it it, it came down to the throw. It, it's, that play is designed to come down to the throw. It's not the easiest thing in the world when you have T.J. Watt jumping enough into the passing lane uh, and Jackson doesn't have – the ability to be able to, to just sidestep and deliver it, it. It needs to come out right away. Yeah. That's a bang, bang play. And fortunately for the Steelers, it worked out in their favor. Let me jump into another couple of comments about that play. Uh, Melvin, what's up? Melvin said, I could see it. The old saying, go for the win on the road and the tie at home. Uh, Double H chimed in. Yes, I agree. Ravens would have been torched in overtime by Ben because of our success in a medium passing game, strangely enough. Because they um, don't have any cornerbacks. And they, did, and they didn't too. have any and they didn't have any corners. Uh Melvin also John, chimed there in. There John LeGlue who was gonna have to get on the field. <laughs> yes. TJ Rush Lamar's throw made him have to throw it from a different arm angle and sooner than he wanted to throw it. I think that's absolutely right. And and, and that disrupted play but before we go into some of the numbers on the game my overall observation and watching both teams is both teams aren't very good uh both teams are probably closer to just being average you know although the ravens are eight and four and the steelers are now what six five and one that both teams are are kind of average i didn't think it was a well-played game particularly on either side of the football I just think you were right when you when we talked about it earlier on Monday is that both teams kind of conservated themselves to death and kind of made the game until close. The coach, until the coach went for two to win. Until the coach went <laughs> for two to road. win. Yeah, on the road. Good but call. You said I got it. that one. But you said it. But you said it pretty much that, you know, Harbaugh's going to play it conservative. 
for the most part. Two two passes from Lamar today over 20 yards. One was the horrendous underthrow on the, the defensive pass interference, which I can't stand that rule. That's kind of what has to be called, but it, it's just cheap, I think. Um, and a, a, another one that I don't think that went complete either. They didn't try anything down the field, really. They attacked the middle of the field. They attacked Devin Bush. They attacked Terrell Edmonds. Steelers defense held up, I thought, pretty damn well, all things considered. Um, they're grossly, grossly outmanned. They have nobody playing up front for them anymore. Um, well, well, Neil, do you want to, uh, to that point, do you want to um, elaborate uh, with your colorful tweet that you sent me uh, during the game about the Steelers front which, seven. Which one? There are too many white guys in the front seven? <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's obviously something I can't tweet. I'll just save that for you fine people here. But the reality is they have no athletes playing in their front seven anymore. If Devin Bush isn't going to be the athlete that we hope he'd be, fine. But Schobert isn't a great athlete. He's showing that game in and game out. The Ravens running backs ran – I, I think the Ravens running backs even anticipated contact like three seconds before they actually got hit. You could see them kind of bracing a little bit. Steelers weren't there. They couldn't get there. You've got Henry Mondoon. You've got, I don't know even who else plays in that unit anymore. But uh, when, when Derek Tuska go by and everything, but Derek Tuska is not a sensational athlete. He's not out there to really be an athlete. Taco Charlton is not an athlete. Um, when those guys are out on the field, you're, you're not getting great sideline to sideline speed. And on top of that, you had um, Witherspoon in. He played a bunch more than James Pierre did today. I thought he did a, a great job overall. But they're they're so shallow defensively now. They, they need help on the defensive line. They need help in the linebacking group. They need help in the secondary. Um, but at least their offense is super thin as well. So it, it's, it's going to be a crazy offseason for them. But they're patching together these wins, Lance. I, I don't know how. Um, I, I don't know. But phenomenal performance from them in the fourth quarter today. That's what won the game. Well, uh, Neil, I am not going to disparage my melanin deficient. Melanin deficient. I'm not not going to disparage my melanin deficient brothers. If if you want me to be more PC, then fine. They're not athlete enough in the front seven. That's all I know. Cam Hayward is the only one who has any motor skills, it seems like. He can't, he's the only guy getting to the ball from distance. You know, he's the only one approaching. And TJ, I I just mean of of the linemen, really, the the true linemen. Um, it, 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 TJ shit. He's got to get upfield. He's got to get behind the quarterback half the time. Hayward has to do the job of three different people, and he, God, he's not going to last. I mean, I think he's kind of slowing down now. I don't think he was as dominant as he's been in the past. Um, didn't even have an Isaiah Bugs out there today, Lance. Not even a Bugs. The new guy. The new guy is on the field for for ten snaps, and he gets a holding penalty. You know how many defensive holding penalties there are in defensive linemen in a season? Like five. The Steelers have had three this year. It's just yeah. stupid. They, they need horses up there, though. <clears throat> that hurt quite a bit, especially early. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that you elaborated on that uh, tweet that you hit me with watching the game because I just busted out you. laughing. Now we got that sound bite out for, you for know, I blackmailing bu- later. You know, I busted out laughing in the sports bar and no one knew, <laughs> um, you know, what I was talking about. Uh, you know, they were like, what is he laughing at? Because it was all Niner fans that were super loud in there, like it was a Super Bowl game. And, 
I'm just the one Steeler fan trying to hide in a bar of everybody with no masks right. on. My, but, my uh, exact words, way too many white guys in the Steelers front seven. <laughs> I probably then, respond with, I dare you. Face emoji, you should say that on the show. <laughs> and then like 19 texts provoking me to say it that I didn't respond to because I wasn't going to. Um, just to answer really quickly, no Bugs and Davis. Bugs was injured all week, and Davis just came off IR. I'm not sure um, that means he wasn't ready. Uh, I, I don't know. could be a conditioning thing. Um, we don't know. I'm sure we'll hear about that a little bit more this week, but they definitely need both of those uh, guys up and ready for a, a, a quick game on Thursday. In fact, that might be why uh, they kept Davis out, just to try to keep somebody fresh for a uh, uh, Thursday road game in Minnesota. Let's jump on the offense, uh, the offense, excuse me, side of the football. Some numbers that really jumped out at me. And I, I really did not think they had a chance to win this football game. When you look at some of these numbers at halftime, I mean, Najee Harris, five attempts for 13 yards. The Ravens had 13 first down to the Steelers, four. You look at time of possession. Uh, I think the Steelers had it maybe three minutes, maybe five minutes, maybe at most at the end of the half. I mean, some of the numbers at the half, I mean, some of the numbers at the end of the half were just incredible. Actually, it was 23-30 for the Ravens to 6-30 for the Steelers. And, you know, the that, Ravens, that's usually like two turnovers. Keep that in mind. The Steelers yes. turn the ball over. <laughs> the Ravens ran 39 plays in the first half to the Steelers yeah. 18. It was just you got amazing. A 99 and a half yard drive that, uh, that he they, 10 minutes or something on that drive, right? I mean, it was their, about their opening that. position yeah. was really long. I mean, they're, 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 a, they're an efficient, well coached offensive team. I'm not surprised. Um, what we talked about, Lance, leading into this game was just it, it was really kind of a um, the unstoppable force versus the very movable object. I mean, the Steelers can't stop the run. They've struggled with that quite a bit. And the Ravens are really good at that. So it, it, it should the game started the way that I thought that it would. But I knew considering they got the, the turnover in the end zone, I knew that was going to come back to haunt Baltimore, just like I, I figured yes, the missed extra point does. was going to haunt Pittsburgh. They absolutely needed to score and not to, to, to beat up Lamar Jackson here or anything, but my God, what a stupid decision that was. I, oh man, I, if I was John Harbaugh, even with a veteran quarterback, I would have said something after that one. That was just dumb. Uh, considering how conservative their game plan was, considering how much better talent wise right now where the two teams are, uh, the Ravens are than the Steelers for him to make a throw like that. It's a huge mistake. Huge. Yeah, on that drive, they had a 16 plays. Uh, they went a net of – they went 94 yards, got five yards and penalty yards. That drive lasted 10 minutes and 27 seconds. The first drive was six minutes and 30 seconds, and they followed that up by another drive of four minutes and 23 seconds. So, you know, in that situation where I was trying to describe it to my brother as we were talking after the game, you know, it's Lamar Jackson is starting to play football like a guy that is, is getting into hero ball. And I try to describe it as, you know, in basketball, if you have a, a one on zero break where you could drive to the bucket and shoot a layup, you know, Lamar, Lamar Jackson is stopping at the three point line and shooting threes. I mean, he's not taking he's not taking the gimmies. He's not taking the gimmies. He looks like he's trying to hit home runs consistently, and he's just not executing the gimme stuff that's there. Either he's not seeing it, 
Um, and it's just been very interesting because typically with a guy that mobile, you're scared to blitz. But now everybody's blitzing yeah. Lamar because Lamar can't handle it. They're Either blitzing him and they're not trying to, to take him down. They're trying to squeeze him and force yes. him into a decision. And that's what he can't do because they're taking away the middle of the field. And he's not – he doesn't read the deep stuff very well if they even give him those options. How many targets did Brown have today? Four, I think, and two of them came in that last drive. So you look at yeah. things like the seven targets. Wow, okay, he got up there a little bit. But, yeah, the, 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 the distribution of throwing in Baltimore clearly says it's short or it's, it's all the way, and they had no all-the-way throws in this game. You, you put all that together, they've got a short passing offense that's predicated on the run, and their quarterback – he made it the looks were there in my opinion he had a lot of opportunities to, to make plays uh Romo bagged on him for that too like he should have you, you put all that together he missed several opportunities and this was a team that still converted 50 percent of the third downs I mean they, they really had several opportunities to win this game I'm really surprised they didn't I think another thing that jumps out when you look at the Steelers on the offensive side of the ball in the second half that's when you started to see the time of possession flip in favor of the Steelers in the fourth quarter. The Steelers had the ball for 10 minutes and 17 seconds to the Ravens, four minutes and 43 seconds. And that's when you started to see attrition started to break down uh, Baltimore's defense because the Steelers back to back had drives of 10 and 11 plays where they had it for 21 plays for 109 yards. And I think this is a case where numbers slightly lie because although the Steelers ran it for 25 times for 85 yards, both running backs ran it 23 times for 84 yards, you did see the Steelers start to make some hay in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter with the physical running game. Although it didn't work early, I was impressed that they stayed with it, and I was surprised that Najee Harris still did get 21 attempts. Although to what we've been saying about Najee Harris, the explosion isn't there. Uh, you know, there's not going to be many runs where Najee Harris does not get contacted by at least three other players on the defense. Yeah, it, it's, it, it was, I think, some of the best running that they showed all season. And it took, I agree. Um, a, a pretty rough performance uh, early on and kind of typical of what we've seen up to this point. It took them a while to really get going, but in the end, it, it wasn't schematic. They weren't doing anything different. They were just attacking the A gap and the B gap and just putting guys on their backs. They looked to me like it was straight up man blocking. Um, I don't think it was really anything fancy. It's just they, they happened to get it. And Harris had a, a, a step past the line in order to, to develop some speed to help complement the power that he has. that That's what we have not gotten to see from him all season. He's getting hit at the line of scrimmage. They pushed back. I made a joke about this uh, during the game. You could see the entire, the, the electronic blue line of scrimmage on the TV screen. You could see that whole thing. Usually it's tied up with defenders. I mean, they, they actually won the line of scrimmage. We, we haven't seen them do that. It didn't happen early, but in the second half, in the fourth quarter in particular, that's what won them the game. In my opinion, they were able to push, and they took. They, what what were the numbers in the final drive, the the, the touchdown drive? Um, did Deontay score two or one today? He scored two touchdowns today. He scored two and he dropped a third. 
too too bad. That drive, whatever that was, they, they had the ball for seven minutes, didn't they? I mean, all of a sudden it was like, yeah, wow, they had Baltimore the ball, might not get the ball yeah. back here. They had the ball it's, for 7-18. That's another thing if we can get into, Lance. Did you notice uh, when they came back from timeout after the two minutes, um, what was it, uh, second and goal? Uh, or second and, second and short. It was second and two maybe uh, when the Ravens jumped offside. That was intentional. I'm not sure if they're going to discuss it or get into it, but the Ravens did that intentionally. They wanted to get offsides to give the Steelers the first down while the clock was stopped in an effort to uh, have it first and, and goal, I think it would have been at that point, um, in an effort to, to load up, make the Steelers you know, try to run the ball. If they're going to run the ball, it, it's going to be real tough for them to, to score a touchdown. Otherwise, they're going to have to put the ball in the air. So by doing that, they forced the Steelers into – a situation where they're going to trade runs for timeouts. In right, other words, right, right. we're going to make you kick the field goal, but you're going to do it with as much time on the clock left as possible. Otherwise, they could have gotten stuffed on, on second down, timeout, third down, timeout, kick the field goal, Ravens get the ball back with, with one timeout left, or you know maybe they, they stop them um, uh, uh, short of that, you know push it back further. But the idea that Baltimore was, was uh, imposing at that point was – you, we're not going to let you score a touchdown, but you're not going to be able to milk the clock either. So right, really, right. really smart football. I think it's kind of lame. I I know that we've, we've gone over this. You've seen uh, Belichick and Vrabel famously got into to kind yes. of rule book battles yes. on the field. Yes. Harbaugh's done this before, um, kind of <clears throat> gaming the rules a little bit. It, it's something I think they need to address. Um, you, you shouldn't be in a position to commit penalties in an effort to stop the clock and, and gain from it. A penalty yeah, should be a yeah. penalty. It should be a penalty. Um, you shouldn't be it, able to it's, gain an advantage. It's not, I, I understand it, it's not a question of being smart or stupid or anything like that. It's just that this is not the way the game is supposed to be played. I'm not going to let that bleed into Kenny Pickett sliding for, you know, fake sliding for end up <laughs> touchdown runs. I, I have my opinion on that too. I think it's kind of <laughs> yes. push league, but you know, yes. the right team won. We're happy about that, but it's uh it, it, you shouldn't be able to do that. Although in the situation, I felt it was very smart of John, John Harbaugh. And he's a coach that I absolutely can't stand. The guy drives me insane, but he's a smart coach. He's really good at what he does. Leading back to it, at that point, I'd be willing to guess that Harbaugh had the, the two point conversion play in mind. I, I think yeah, that he they expected that. to get the field goal. He expected to drive the field. He expected to score the touchdown. Then he expected to go for two. So he set it up well, and that's why the yeah. Ravens are such a tough team to beat. It, it's look at what it took for Pittsburgh to win this game, and they yeah, weren't that, favored. That, that two point conversion was teed up. They had that. They knew exactly what the Steelers were going to do in that situation Shit, if they got in that situation. We've seen that play a thousand times. And yeah, usually they knew it's it. a touchdown. They to knew that, exactly that, that freaking Ricard idiot, whatever his name. Yes, is. yes, yes. Usually yes. it's that. They have some variation yeah. of their their Swiss Army big guys from their backfield. They'll go into a heavy set and shoot out three or four guys in different spots that aren't exactly the same as what they've done before, but it's essentially the same throw. It's essentially the same blocking. And what you really need is a snap. You get the snap off the quarterback and get rid of the ball right away. And Lamar usually does a really good job of that. And you know, this, this was the time he didn't fortunately me, for the Steelers. Let me correct myself. The two drives in the fourth quarter lasted four minutes and 33 seconds. Exactly. It was two back-to-back drives. So they had two drives back-to-back of 21 plays that lasted about nine minutes. The first drive was 10 plays for 50 yards. The second drive was 11 plays for 59 yards. 
And then in the second half, they had three consecutive drives of touchdown, field goal, touchdown, which is something that they have not done often this year where they scored three consecutive times on drives, let alone three consecutive touchdowns on drives. So kudos to the offense. And I think one last person on the offensive side of football that you have to mention is Deontay Johnson, obviously. Um, Eight receptions, 11 targets, 105 yards uh, for two touchdowns. And he's clearly established himself as the number one wide receiver on his team. Chase Claypool, I think, has taken a step back. James Washington is no longer a player of any note or substance in this offense. And so uh, so kudos to Deontay Johnson for stepping up in a big way in this game. And Ben Roethlisberger did just enough to get this victory played very well in the second half, did not turn the football over and made some pretty good throws. One thing that stood out to me, um, the last thing I want to give props to is this offensive line is uh, Baltimore, that's going to be Baltimore, I think, their biggest issue in the playoffs, along with Lamar Jackson struggling with the blitz, is uh, they get no pressure. They get absolutely no pressure. And I thought this offensive line, in terms of pass protection, because you have been through it. Uh, let me look at the numbers here. How many times have been through it? Been through it 31 times, and there was only one sack. And I think in the game, Baltimore only had three quarterback hits. So, the offensive line was outstanding. On the defensive side of football, I think when you look at the defense, I think, you know, T.J. Watts, you know, his stat sheet, his stat line was monstrous. Um, you know, he really played a well of a game, and it really made a difference that he was out there. When you look at his stat line, uh, you know, T.J. was just getting loose. Um, you know, he was doing his thing, five tackles, one assisted tackle, three and a half sacks. Um, another player that stood out and speak to this guy because you don't mention we don't mention this guy too often. I think he played his best game as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Warmly was outstanding with two and a half sacks, multiple tackles, tackles for loss. I thought he played a fantastic game. Um, and looking at the Ravens or the Steelers and their ability to stop the Ravens run game, what do you think the Steelers did differently? If anything, because I thought they did a very good job against the Ravens, although the Ravens did run for 107, you know, Devontae Freeman was held to uh, 52 yards on 14 carries. They held Lamar down pretty much. Uh, what do you think the Steelers did differently in this game that they've done in the last several weeks to, to really neutralize the Ravens run game? I, I think they won at the line of scrimmage with their front. It wasn't the linebackers um, attacking the A-gap the way that they've done it quite a bit in the past. I thought you mentioned Wormley. I thought he did a great job. Um, Tomlin called him out after the game as well, sending a message to the team that traded you within the division because that's what that team thinks of you. He went out and had a monster game, um, dominated that that B-gap, C-gap um, in an effort to not just I – mean, when we talk about the Ravens' run game, what we're really talking about is Lamar Jackson and, and their, their RPO options that they have he is able to escape. He's able to run. So even if he doesn't hand the ball off, you can't necessarily think of it as a pass play. And I think that has been uh, part of the reason why Jackson has had the success that he's had. You can't rush him the way that you rush other quarterbacks. You have to give him kind of a berth. You can't, he's going to react to what you're doing. Warmly, I, I felt was very disciplined. I felt Watt was the same way coming off the other side. Extremely and they, they converged. They squeezed him in. That's what teams are doing. He does not throw comfortably to all areas of the field if he's on the move. I can, I will circle to you the exact spot he's going to throw to if he's on the move. 
he goes to about the, the five to seven yard out area, the flare area, pretty much every time where he's going to throw or he's going to throw back across his body down the middle of the field. I felt they, they kept Minka. Well, I, I okay, I guess without watching it again, I can't tell you this definitively. It seemed to me Minka stayed home in the middle of the field a lot more than, than he has the last couple of weeks. They had him coming up a bit more, I think, recently. But they kept him down the middle uh, to watch out for that, that bigger throw. And they tried to choke Jackson off in the pocket, not let him escape, but not go after him either so he can embarrass you and escape in the yeah. A-gap and, and go make highlights. He'll do that when he gets the opportunity. They limited him from that. At the same time, they sacked him seven times, and they missed him probably 20. They got massive yes, pressure. Yes, they game. got massive so pressure in the game. They, they really did a great job of, of containing him in the pocket, um, not giving him opportunities to make plays with his legs, uh, but still ended up with sacks. So these Think are the it. types of games usually you have two sacks and a ton of pressure, and it's frustrating. I, I felt they did a great job against Lamar in particular, even if that kind of meant that Freeman is going to have a pretty high touch, high volume game, which he did. I think it was great that you mentioned that because these are some numbers that we need to point out in the game. They had seven sacks. Watt had three and a half. Warmly had two and a half. Cam Hayward had one. Um, there's a half sack somewhere there. There's probably a team sack. You kept texting me talking about the team sacks. So, yeah, there's a half sack there for the team. But here's the other number that jumped out. They had 10 quarterback hits as well. So they hit Lamar <laughs> 17 times in this game. And Got him pretty good a couple times, too. He took and a that, couple hits. He doesn't usually do that. And think of it this way you know, you guys out there, if you have a calculator in your hand, he threw the ball 44 times. So when you're talking about 44, because the time, the, the sacks count as pass plays, they don't officially count those as pass attempts in the NFL, but they are pass plays. Trust me, nuts. For, 44 pass plays, he got hit 17 times. That's the type of number that you're not going to see often in games. And, you know, that type of pressure is a type of pressure that the Steelers were used to getting at times. They got that type of pressure in the Buffalo game when they had Ingram and everybody was healthy. Uh, that's the type of pressure they got. But that type of pressure that you get on a quarterback like Lamar Jackson is absolutely impressive. And, I, and I'm definitely shocked. Uh, that they were able to do that. But the thing that shocked me the most was just how well they played in the running game. I mean, they really limited the Ravens um, in their rushing attack. And typically in games, a lot of times you'll have a team has a strength or a weakness, but they don't necessarily line up strength to your weakness. And in this game, Baltimore clearly has a strength in running a football, and the Steelers have a weakness currently at stopping it. So I think that was the big number that stood out on the defensive side of football was, you know, they limited the Ravens to 107 yards. And also all of that pressure that they generated, they played a fantastic game on the defensive side of football. But, but, but speak to this, Neil. How does it happen? And and one number that stood out, too, is the Ravens, like you said earlier, were 8 of 16, 50% on third down. And for the Steelers to survive that, uh, it just shows you um, just how tough this ball game is. But, but Neil, explain this to me. H how does this always happen? You get tons of pressure <laughs> on guys. You play good defense for, like, 58 minutes. Last drive of the game, when Boswell kicks it out of bounds, I'm just like, okay, oh. here we go. I was like, <laughs> it rolled out of bounds. I said, oh my that goodness, hurt. here. I was like, that here. Hurt. I was like, here we go. You play good defense all game. 
you generate pressure all game. You give up a touchdown in like four plays. How does that happen? I mean, how do offenses find mm. – how do they find those four plays? How does their defense all of a sudden can't stop that situation? I mean, what it's always perplexed me in the years that I've been watching football. How, do, how does that happen? Because you see it happen all the time. Teams play good um, for the majority of the game. These last drive situations, they just give it up. Simply put, I, I would say this, and there are going to be 50 different answers for this, I'm sure. Uh, the difference is up until that final drive, most of the time, pretty much all the time, ending um, that possession with a kick is a good thing. Either kick the extra point, either kick a field goal, or you punt. Punting is no longer an option if you're behind, uh, what, six with or seven with a, a minute and a half to go, whatever it was for Baltimore. They can't punt. Field goal doesn't work. So all four downs, every distance of the field, everything is in play for you. On, on offense as a defense what you are not going to allow is eight to 15 on the sidelines and anything down the middle so you're defending areas more than you're defending your opponent in my opinion there are a lot of different ways to look at this and it's not as simplified as that you can't play straight up when your opponent doesn't have the fear of uh turnover you know they're right. going to take risks. They're right. going to try lower percentage stuff that they wouldn't in the second. Right. Quarter. So you're facing more of them while you yourself are equipped with less than you would have because you need to tackle the guy in bounds. They only have one timeout. You don't, you can't let them go out of bounds and catch their breath. You know, I, I think one issue and not to insult people, but this is kind of what you get when you, you primarily play Madden and fantasy football it, wide receivers on, on uh, two-minute drills, they run 30-yard patterns at full speed. And they have to bust their ass back to the line of scrimmage, get set, and go do it again. There are only so many times you can do that at an optimal level. It doesn't mean he's not going to collapse and puke, you know, Lawrence Timmons style, whatever it is that happened to him when he got a little bit too excited. But it, it's more, you're not able to run 100% of your ability at that point of the game more than maybe two patterns in a row. So getting out of bounds becomes a premium thing for teams to do. They can't stop them short either. You know, pick up five yards at a time. Okay, you're going to burn the clock. So defense is basically covering like an H around the seams. They want to defend stuff in that area, not worry so much about the flats, not give up anything deep and not give up deep outs. Don't let them get out of bounds. Keep them in bounds. We'll trade yards for, for time for off time. the clock. Yeah. So – with that, you tend to get more success. And when you apply that perspective evenly with drives throughout the game, it's going to make it look like they're having huge success and you can't stop them. Well, some of it, yes. In this particular case, I thought that the big one down the middle, maybe it was to Bateman, um, that, that was messed up. Something happened there that wasn't good. Um, it, it, uh, things like that happen but really what it is it, it's a game that is geared toward offensive players um that have massive amounts of skill offensively and they're taking the governor off they're just chucking it they're winging it they're they're letting it all hang out because they can they have to take those risks you know the punting is not an option for them anymore it doesn't matter they're going to throw the ball 25 yards down the field into double coverage if they need to just because 
You know, they, they have to get the ball down the field. They're going to lose the game if they don't. So it's not so much that they, I mean, yes, black and white, they have success in those situations, but they're playing against a much softer defense, not a yeah. prevent defense, but you don't play them straight up because they're not playing straight up. You have to protect yourself from right. what they're doing. And if you are Pittsburgh, a minute and a half left in the game, if it takes them a minute 20 to get to the 30-yard line, you're successful you're at that fine. point. Yeah. They're not yeah. in a good spot to get a, a, a touchdown pass. But Baltimore made uh, – two of those plays were, were good. They beat Pittsburgh's defense uh, and put themselves in the position to do exactly what they did. And then the touchdown throw I thought was really good. That was a great throw by Jackson. Uh, I think it was Watkins' only target of the game or something like that. Um, probably not a play that Trey Norwood's going to want to look at in, in film again. didn't look to me like he played that particularly well. So you, you have issues like that, but um, it, it's an offensive game. You know, it's a completions league. They're, they want you to complete passes, and they know how to do that. So that's that's the bulk of it, to be honest with you. And it's to Double H's point, and, you know, with one minute and 21 seconds to go, you know, he strip sack, Lamar strip sack, and that ball floats out of bounds. You know, Rolled if, if, right out you know, of bounds. And if they get that pass. because <laughs> Like it was being driven out of yeah. bounds. <laughs> you know, in those situations, pass rush is, is what beats that. You know, hopefully you can get home on a pass rush or make a tackle to keep them in bounds to keep the clock running since you are exchanging yards, um, you know, for time. But let's jump into what the show, the title of the show is, is 2021 Big Ben's Last Dance. I know all you Steeler fans heard the news that came out this week reported by Adam Schefter. Let me read Adam Schefter's tweet about Big Ben. And it said, Big Ben or Ben Roethlisberger privately telling former teammates and some within the organization that he expects this to be his final season playing quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the funny thing about this, this isn't a leak. This is like a flood, right? So, you know, you know when everybody reports the same thing, basically coordinated within like 10 minutes of each other, this isn't a leak. This is, this is broken news. This is a flood. This is a flood of information that came out. Now, you had a really good point, and we're going to jump into your second point, but we'll jump into the first point first. I want to ask you about the timing, but I want to point out something that when I asked my brother, he didn't get it. He didn't catch it. So let me read it again to see if listeners catch it. I don't think listeners will catch it. Roethlisberger privately telling former teammates and some within the organization that he expects this to be his final season playing quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And let me just cut to the chase. There are two things that there are two things that are different here. The statement says his final season playing quarterback for the Steelers. It did not say his final season playing quarterback in a National Football League. And looking at this statement, is it Ben's last year with the Steelers? And do you think there is any way that Ben Roethlisberger plays for another team outside of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Um, I, I would say this. I thought it was funny with all the, the kind of hidden messages that they're sending in that tweet, why they mentioned quarterback at all. What's he going to do, switch to linebacker? I mean, yes. of course it's a quarterback. He's going to play tight end. Yeah, I, I, uh, that'd be fun. I'm sure that that worked out real well. But he, uh, um, it, what he's saying, my opinion, 
I'm not reporting this. I've just, I've seen this. I've, I've heard about how these things work. What he's saying is, and I, I know this from, I'm not going to say names, but I've talked to players um, who were with the Steelers before. And there are conversations that they do have regarding contracts, regarding a player's future, things like that, usually brought on by the agent for obvious reasons around this time of the year. It's usually in December, mid-December, somewhere in there. They talk to players about what they expect to do with that player the, the coming year to some degree. I don't know the structure of it. I just know that for multiple people who are not related to each other, they had a conversation with the Steelers in December about their upcoming year. I'm going to guess Ben anticipated that. The conversation was you know, we're, we're going to move on just so you know. So it's not a surprise when we're not together in March, the, the players don't show up to work nine to five at the facility. When the season's over, they're gone. Okay. <clears throat> they certainly can come and work out if they want, but many of them don't live there. They don't go in unless they have to, they usually go on vacation. They have surgery. They hang out at home. They don't go into the facility. Yeah, and with yeah. that, they don't talk to the, 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 the general manager, the head coach, all that much. They're they healing. Tax, but, yeah, <laughs> like from, from my experience with players, they're healing. They're tired. Right. They're, beat, they're beat to shreds. Mm -hmm. They have no obligation in the offseason outside of designated events. And usually it's not one of them. So the Steelers try to have those conversations directly with the player because they end up dealing with the agent toward the end. So my guess is Ben had that conversation with the Steelers. Steelers confirmed they aren't interested in having Ben around next season. I still think it's a 99% lock that Ben's going to retire. I think that's always been what's on Ben's mind. But at the same time, and I hope everybody would agree with me, and I would beg you and implore you if you had the situation to, to think about it, if the, I don't know, give me a team, somebody, anybody, give me a team. The Washington the, football team. The Washington football team offered Ben $25 million fully guaranteed next year. He's going to think about that. That's a lot of money. I don't care how much money he's made. That's a lot of money. Okay. That's so money. he's in, and on top of that, it costs him nothing to leave the door open and it might cost him potential interest to shut it. If he tells everybody now he's not interested in playing, whether that's directly or indirectly like he's doing, then nobody's going to be around. Really what all he's doing is giving himself an option in case the, the situation arises to say, I'm not retiring, but my time with Pittsburgh is done. That might turn into a retirement. But for now, this is what I'm going to do. Heinz Ward got cut, and he looked around the market uh, to find a, a, a suitable option, didn't find one, then he retired. Troy Polamalu was given the, the permission to go find something else that he found suitable before the team cut him. He didn't. They cut him, and he retired. They'll give Ben the same option. They'll give Ben the latitude for that. But the reality is, Lance, and you and I have discussed this ad nauseum over the months. Yes, he's we not, have. He's not playing for Pittsburgh next year. And I'm only saying for Pittsburgh next year to, to cover the, the extremely hypothetical, very unlikely scenario that another team wants him for a year. I don't think that's going to happen. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's played good enough football for anybody to want him to start for them next year. I think this situation is a little bit different from Phillip Rivers. I think at this point in time, in the same situation, Phillip Rivers was better. Um, I, yeah, I think, yeah and, and he wasn't good either. And he wasn't good. I think Ben is not. And he lost that game for him against the Steelers last year. Yeah, and I, he didn't play well against Buffalo in the playoffs. I don't think Ben warrants, I mean, in the open market, I can't see. You know, I'm glad you threw out the nice little number of $25 million, But when you look at starters in the National Football League, 
I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to just kill Ben. Ben's not really much better than Jared Goff. I mean, they're similar. That they, they probably are. Their value should production, be about this production same. wise. We've yes. seen two very similar players in different yeah, situations, mean, but the only thing we can compare equally is their stats playing against NFL competition. Yeah, they're pretty similar. Not yeah, too I mean, far off. Ben's better, but they're they're not far off from each other. And nobody yeah, I mean, would put either of them in the top third of the league. That's for sure. And and if you're a team that is seriously mm-hmm. wanting Ben Roethlisberger to start for you, you're not that good. And you might as well lose with a bridge quarterback and try to find your quarterback next. So when I read this, I was like, you know, Ben's being coy. Ben's that type of guy. Ben's savvy. Ben knows how to play this game. I mean, we've seen, what, 18, 19 years of it. Ben is an expert in playing this media kind of song and dance. And I like the way he phrased it and worded it. He kept the door slightly cracked. And, I mean, but he's at the point where he's made about $265 million. But to your point, $25 million? It's $25 yeah, it's, million. It's not about what he's earned over 15 years. It's I mean, about 20, what they're going to pay him. Yeah, I have no idea bucks. what Ben's done with his money. I just know this. Yeah. We, we can't say that he is worth the gross amount of every contract that he's had. 40% of that is taxed, and probably more than that even. Uh, the later parts of his career um, started taxing pro athletes for performing in their stadiums. Um, 50% probably goes to tax. You wonder why these guys are conservative. That's why they get taxed to hell. And regardless, though, it's not about that. It's just simply that if Ben feels like playing another year for $25 million, he'd like to have the option to do that. It doesn't mean that he will, but there's no point in burning that bridge. There's no sense in doing that. Yeah, I've always tried to tell people about wealthy people. I'm not wealthy by any means, but I've, I've known some wealthy people. And the one thing I'll tell you about wealthy people like people that don't have a ton of money. Everybody likes money. (laughs) That's the commonality between wealthy people and poor folks and people in the middle. Everybody likes money. And if somebody's going to give you some money, you're going to take some money. Now it requires him and his effort to get that money. But hey, Ben could go out and get 25 million, I'm sure, somewhere, 15, 20 million, convince a fan base that somehow, you know, this new offense and whatever. He's going to have a new lease. He's working out more. I mean, whatever. Fans as fans. We'll, <laughs> the we'll best believe, shape of his career. You know, his best shape of his life. We'll, 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 you know, we have enough Steeler fans that will say everything that we're saying, which we've said at nauseum, is incorrect, and Ben is going to be the quarterback next year. But the thing that made me laugh about this whole grand announcement and this rollout, because first of all, it felt like a press rollout, like it was a press junket, like they were setting yeah. some stuff up. And Probably scheduled that two months ago. I'm going <laughs> to segue and see, we're going to segue this into the point that you just made. But the thing that was funny there was, well, the announcement in terms of Ben Roethlisberger playing for the Steelers next year was already said and done when they gave him four avoidable years. Yeah, exactly. It was over. He's not even signed next year. He's not signed <laughs> next year. They had I ample mean, opportunity to sign him in two years. I mean, they were interested. They you weren't. know, he's not signed. You can't play football without a base <laughs> salary. You, empirical he, evidence here. He, ha- he has no base salary. The NFLPA will not let you play football without a base salary. There are minimum base salaries for people of his tenure he does not have a base salary so he doesn't really have a contract next year so that this whole thing about ben playing for the steelers if people were paying attention it was we already knew what this was but i like i want to jump into your other point though about it 
And I asked you about the timing because I'm going to be honest. I've always thought Ben was a me guy. You know, I, I thought Ben was always has always been a me guy. He's always been an attention guy. And he's always tried to make it about himself and kind of me, me, me guy. That's just me. That's just my opinion. You know, I think he's a great football player. He's been great for the franchise, you know, but I understand it. I really don't have a problem with it. I think quarterbacks and stars and superstars, you know, there's a level of selfishness. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, there's a selfishness that's necessary. Yeah, it's not a surprise. There, there There are far worse, but yes, Ben is, is Ben likes the most humble Attention. thing about Ben is he really enjoys other people talking about what a team guy he is. That's what way. I was going to say. The most <laughs> humble thing about Ben is him saying that he's humble, you know, him, him playing through injuries, all these yeah. kind of me yeah. first things. You know, like, He's ve- you know? he is very much a team guy. Okay. There, there's a difference. You liking attention, you sacrificing as much as Ben has for the team. Um, Ben's not going to be able to walk in 10 years. I don't think people understand that. The guy, he can't take snaps under center because his knees don't work anymore. That that's You watch him. He's obviously very uncomfortable. He can't drop back and plant on his back leg and throw. Those are all knee issues, okay? He's he's given the back end of his life, the, the quality of living that he's, ha- that yeah, he's going to have. Yeah, the physical sacrifice. is going to go down quite absolutely. a bit. And it, if, if the payoff of that is you know, hundreds of millions of dollars along with adulation of people everywhere. And he gets used to those things. You can kind of understand where that comes from. Um, all of this though, I would say is not Ben. This is culture. Everybody does this now. Okay. Um, also on top of this, you see this even as far down to the officials on the field nowadays, coaches, quarterbacks, all these guys can make comparable money in the booth when they stop playing. So floating the idea that they're going to be available sets up opportunities for them uh, beyond football. They want to be able to get in line because, you know, football season ends, you got a new budget coming up, all of that. They, they want to be a part of those discussions if, if they're stop. interested. Let in me that. stop you there. So let me read what you texted me about. Yeah, I was just trying the, to dig for it. About Sorry. the timing. <laughs> and, 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 and I think you hit this right. And I asked, why does he say it now? I think very astutely you pointed out day before Ravens game, tons of tons of attention, Raven Steelers, probably the best publicized rivalry in football. Five games left. Victory lap. Plenty of time to hit news cycles before the holidays. Ding, ding. It's also big, by the way. And time to get a national sit down interview. Mm-hmm. And guess what's coming up? The Thursday game that we're going to talk briefly the, about the prime time the game, Min- prime time game against the Minnesota Vikings, where he can sit down with Collinsworth and do a spot that's it's, going to be showed on that broadcast. It's Fox, isn't it? Doesn't Fox do oh, it Fox? all Thursday night? I don't now? know. It, it, they I rotated just, it earlier in the season. Yeah, they show it on now. Five somebody, different somebody jump into the comments on this if you happen to know the Steelers don't have another primetime game this year whether it's this one right whether and so that lives outside of well, they got the saying. Browns they got the okay so they got the Browns game the Browns games on Monday night on January 3rd and so, so I, there you I, go. I think <laughs> your I think your points are brilliant I think it all lines up he has people on his team 
to think about stuff yeah, like you they're, just they're pointed paid out. To do this. They're paid to do exactly what yeah. you did. And this is lined up, whether it's Fox, whether it's ESPN, whether it's Twitter, whatever, because they the NFL has monetized that Thursday game like 70 different ways. Yeah. But, but regardless of whatever medium you catch it on, he's probably going to be doing a TV spot and he's going to be talking about everything, his career, the way he loves football, so on and so forth. And Melvin says the NFL network, whoever it is, yeah, they're talking to Ben Roethlisberger. You know, watching it anyway. you know, <laughs> you know they're, they're talking to Ben Roethlisberger. And that just goes to, you know, Ben's a peacock, man. You know, Ben got big feathers, man. Yeah, and they're bright exactly. and, and, and they're bright. I mean, Ben's a peacock. I've met the guy couple of situations ben's a peacock and he struts like it but he's a peacock i mean the guy was funny i know we'll we'll say that and people will will speak about it in kind of a hesitant almost defensive way when it comes to ben if you accuse juju of the exact same thing people get pissed (laughs) it's like look they're they're doing the same thing they're entertainers absolutely people that want to be in the spotlight this is their business it's their brand people don't understand that this is not like a, a game to them OK, it, it's entertainment for us. We take it very, very seriously. They take their brands very seriously. They want to be able to maximize what they can earn. And these are opportunities where they can do that. I, I will say this. I don't think Ben would be a studio guy. I don't think he'd really like that. that that's no. just me. I don't think he's like that. But but two things. Let's wait and see what happens leading into that that Monday night game against Cleveland, January 3rd. If he does a sit-down interview, if it's you know broken everywhere that he's retiring and he's got to go on camera and say, ah, shucks, you got me, you found out. If he does that whole thing, <clears throat> trying to think of the best way to say this, judge for yourself how much more charismatic and how much more funny he is. If he is, he's gunning for a <laughs> studio game, okay? That's exactly you. why he's doing it. He gets 10 minutes of FaceTime in front of a national audience. That's his audition. Yeah, if he can do that, yes. how do you think Romo got his gig? Anybody yes. who knows Tony Romo knows he is exactly who he is on camera. He is the most charismatic guy alive. Everybody loves Tony Romo. He was built for the booth. It wasn't until Jim Nance, who was his longtime golf buddy, convinced him to give broadcasting a shot that these opportunities came up there. Jason Witten wow. tried it. Terrible. I don't. I don't think there's anything really particularly likable about drew Brees. i don't see any reason to pay him a lot of money i like drew though i think yeah. drew does a good wow. job i, I like boring I, I like i like drew he could like be any drew. guy he could be he could be jack <laughs> collinsworth you know he's, he's another dude <laughs> drew any guy <laughs> that, that, that's great <laughs> who, who they all want is peyton manning and peyton is the the smart one to not do their structure he's building his own thing i yeah, think Peyton's, he's he and eli are going to yeah. build their own little company and, and yeah. do their own thing yeah, exactly yeah, like yeah. they're doing because you know what that's how i want to watch football from now on i absolutely yeah love the, bro- the brothers are the, bro- the brothers mm-hmm. are funny and who would have known they're perfectly um, irreverent they're they're knowledgeable they're insightful yes. and they're so goofy and, and not professional with what they do. Yes, and they're, they're, they're you kind want of funny. to watch it. Yeah, they are. They're, they're they are. They're idiots. They don't do anything right. It's great. They <laughs> they are kind of funny. But let let's switch reels before we get out of here. Um, and let let's talk briefly. Break this game down for me really briefly because we're really late in the show. And then I'm going to get into my yeah, I said it. Uh, give me a quick breakdown of the Steelers Vikings because I think 
you know, the way this is going to work out, we typically do a Thursday show, so we're just going to do a post game. There's no way we're going to roll out a show on Wednesday to kill this show um, for the Thursday show. So we'll just do a post game if you're available, because I know it's late for you. Um, break down this game. Break down the Steelers Vikings game. I haven't seen a ton of the Vikings. I do know uh, that Jefferson is a guy that's super dangerous. I Jefferson's love Jefferson. A, He's Jefferson's a whale a of a player. Dude. Love um, that guy. Cook is out, which I think you know bodes well for the Steelers. I hate um, when teams have to travel um, on that Wednesday on, game. On I think that's week. on a short, short week. week. I tough. think that's really tough, especially in a physical game like mm -hmm. this. Where um, it's a big advantage between two fairly equal teams. The home yeah. team it wins those more than the league average, and a lot large part of it is both of them are beaten up. One team <laughs> had to give up a day to travel. I'm Everyone's you've created a monster here. Yeah, there there are a lot of there are a lot of white quarterbacks. So give me your thoughts on this Viking game. I think at first blush. I would Feeling think after a physical divisional game against the Ravens, I think it's going to be really tough I uh, didn't for the get, Steelers it, to go on the road and, and get that win. So I would favor yeah. right now the Vikings just because of the war of attrition, Jefferson playing on the road against a pretty good wide receiver core, particularly if Thielen comes back. Thielen got hurt and banged up in the game on Sunday. Zimmer, I would favor Zimmer right said now. he's sprained an ankle. So we'll, we'll find a short week, a sprained ankle for a receiver doesn't bode real doesn't bode real well. He's definitely not going to be 100%, even if he does play. Uh, from what we understood, Cook was going to be out just given the short week. He might have right. played on Sunday. It doesn't sound like he's going to play um, Thursday against Pittsburgh. Um, the, the, the Vikings are an excellent passing team. I know that bagging on Kirk Cousins is the coolest, hippest thing to do because Kirk Cousins is a total dork. Kirk Cousins is a good NFL quarterback, and he can throw the ball. They're, they're a good passing offensive team. Um, they've got a lot of issues. I don't think Mike Zimmer is going to survive this season. The direction of the team is kind of up in the air. Um, this is that helps. I think they're kind of a weakened opponent, but um, they just lost in the last second to the Lions. They're playing at home in what's going to be probably either a, a save your job type of game for Zimmer or it's an audition for your next job type of game. Um, either way, that's a dangerous Vikings team. Everyone's excited about. I'm not calling it a fluke win, but it, 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 one of those two teams, if not both of them, is not good, Baltimore or Pittsburgh. It was a fun, exciting game. We saw some good football. There were stretches of some pretty bad football as well. Big stretches. The Steelers, the Steelers are not good enough to overlook anybody. I don't care how excited about this win you are. I don't care what the Ravens' record is. The Vikings can can play. They're, they're decent enough that the Steelers have no business overlooking them. Um, I think, though, with that, Pittsburgh is – going to be emotionally riding high, whereas Minnesota is going to be pretty beleaguered considering who they just lost to, the manner in which they just lost the game. Um, Coaching-wise, I, I give a short week advantage to the Steelers. I, I think it'll be competitive, but I think Pittsburgh will win it. Well, that's good. That's interesting. I, 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 I think I would pick the Vikings right now just on the short week, and I kind of go in the opposite in terms of the emotional letdown after you lose a game like you did in the way that you did to Detroit, there's some element of get back. But I think it's going to be a poorly played game by both teams just because, in general, most of the Thursday games are poorly played. The, the players are beat up, and um, it, it's a quick turnaround time to get prepared. So this is one of the few times where Neil and myself are going to disagree. I'm not going to throw out a score. 
going to take the Vikings. Neil's going to take the Steelers. But the Steelers are at the 6-5-1. and one. Mark, very good win. We picked them to go 7-10. and 10, So our 7-10 and 10 is well, not in play. It would be 7-9-1. and one. But that's still in play. But very impressive win for the Pittsburgh Steelers, overcoming a lot of adversity in the game and getting the win. But we're going to end with this last segment. Yeah, I said it. I hate advanced analytics. Let me just say this. They showed, <laughs> they showed a metric called completion percentage above expectation. I was just like, wait a minute, man. Come on, man. Now, and for me to say that I hate advanced analytics in and of itself is funny. I don't know if you guys know, I'm a graduate of Carnegie Mellon University. Neil knows Carnegie Mellon. If you're in a Pittsburgh area, you know Carnegie Mellon University. Carnegie Mellon University is numbers. That's where the smart kids go and teach. I mean, analytics, all that stuff, right? You would think that more analytics, I definitely am like, oh, I'm CMU guy, analytics. Some of this shit is just ridiculous. Let me just read this again. Completion percentage above expectation. Are you kidding me? How are you going to show that in a broadcast when a player is going 5,000 miles an hour and show this next-gen step? I'm just like, stop it, please. Stop it, please, with the advanced analytics. That's why we have done a great job this year in dumbing down the football team. <laughs> and if we use football terms, we explain them. But we have tried our best. We've done a great job. Forget all this stuff, man. Come on, come on, man. Like, 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 like I, I like numbers. Some of this shit is ridiculous. I mean, some of it is just like, come on, man. You're just creating up a number to make yourself look smart. I mean, good lord. <laughs> Oftentimes, I would agree. That's the that's usually the case. Whatever it is, statistics absolutely play a role. Film absolutely plays a role. I don't feel you can do one without the other. You have to, you have to bring them both together. The people that do that, you you know who they are when you read over what they're doing. They're making tangible points. They're not just coming up with a statistic to entertain you with a statistic. They're talking about actual football, which is what we try to do here. I review a lot of, of advanced, what they would call advanced analytics. I, I enjoy that kind of thing. It gives you a perspective, but it's telling you what's happening on the field. You know, as Bill James would exactly. say, a, st a statistic tells you what you already know which is to say you're watching it, you see it, it's tangible, okay? Advanced analytics, things, completion percentage above, uh, above expectancy has a place, but not like game to game, you know? It, it, it really, it's, it's a peer measurement. Um, we have a good sense of who Ben Roethlisberger is as a quarterback this season, just like we have a good sense of who Lamar Jackson is. I don't really care which one has a higher completion percentage above expectancy. <laughs> that doesn't... It's not relevant to anything that, that we're discussing. It's, you know, self-masturbatory. It really doesn't make any sense to, in, in, in the context of which we're discussing the game of football. We don't need to know. We're not comparing the two. We talk about a team. We talk about one team's ability to beat another, and we talk about how individuals fit into all of that. Some people want to do their own thing with math and get all fancy and nerdy. That's fine. But um, if you don't know what you're looking at on the field, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, like Melvin said. Uh, most people don't know what a five technique is. I mean, that just says it right there. But with that, we are going to conclude the program. Thank you, all of us. Uh, <laughs> and Steeler Freak, before I get out of here, he Pretty said, good. I got a five technique on prom night. I guess that's why. I did, I did not. <laughs> I 
guess I guess that's why freak is in your name. That is an excellent <laughs> way to end the program. And with that, we're going to conclude the show. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. And I hope y'all get a five technique tonight, not just on prom night. Stay safe, Steeler family. Thank you, Ali Howard, Species 5618, for listening to the whole show. Thanks, Mel and everybody. Go Steelers 6-5-1. and one. Don't bet your house on the Super Bowl, though. We're out of here. How many five technique white guys do we have anyway?